Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's A-S-K at SWATradio.com. And if you are listening to the podcast because you missed us live, you can also send us your questions, questions, excuse me, on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle that is at SWAT Radio Talk. And we will be sure to answer those questions just as soon as we are back in the studio together. Well, with all that being said, today is Monday. What's going on today, Doug? What did you do yesterday, Taylor? I mowed the lawn. We, I got the lawnmower, so I, I mowed the lawn, and then I went and bought a weed whacker and a machete and a shovel. And but a, wait, Sunday you're supposed to be resting, man, kicking know, back, dude. But I mean, like the really? lawn had not been mowed since we moved in because I was getting a free lawnmower, so I was waiting to get that before, and so it, it just needed to be done. So. Aren't you glad, oh, you didn't live back when they stoned you for picking yeah, up sticks? Right. Oh, that would have been bad. <laughs> anyway, uh, see, I use that excuse with Lori all the time. I'm like, man, I can't be doing that today. i got to rest. Today's a rest day. No, it was a good day yesterday. Wasn't it a beautiful weekend? Oh, yeah, The was. weather here. You know, I rode out to the SWAT guys this week. So often, I think when we live here, we take our good weather for granted mm-hmm. because it's 90% of the time we get sunshine. Mm-hmm. And um, I have friends that live out in the Northwest, and um, man, it's the opposite it's, over there. Yeah. They don't get it over there at all. It's tough, but uh, it was great weather for the Players' Championship. For those of you who are not aware of golf, uh, it is one of the biggest uh, events in Jacksonville. The mm-hmm. Players' Championship, a big golf tournament, and uh, I, I like watching it. I got sucked into it watching it. Uh, you know, just kind of watching um, this guy from England named Lee Westwood was uh, was uh, battling Bryson DeChambeau, mm. who's a big driver. DeChambeau's the one that drove it 377 yards a week prior. The one they changed the rules for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if you've, ever, if you've never played golf, okay, I mean, like, I, I'm 6'3". Of course, size doesn't really matter as much as technique, but still, I mean, I, I could always hit a ball between 240 and 290, uh, yeah. you know, and this dude hit it 377 yards. That is a long way to hit a yeah. golf ball. But uh, anyway, they were in a battle, and Justin Thomas uh, ended up winning the tournament. He came, really made this run. He was, he really played well, but he had a great story. One of the things that struck me about Thomas and the reason I wanted to bring it up today is, is this tournament is not so much about golf, but the impact of a grandfather and a father. He said er, Hmm. that when they were talking about him, they said his only trainer is his dad Hmm. and he has been at every tournament he's played in. Wow. And uh, I, I think he grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and then went to Alabama, played, and um, and now he is uh, he just won the Players, which is a a really coveted title in the golf world. It's like it's a major. I mean, it, it pretty much is a major. And so um, anyway, 
it was a it was a great tournament and uh, but listening to him and his his grandfather passed away uh, about a month ago mm. and th- they they were very close and that the uh, interviewer after he had won was asking him questions and he asked him about his grandfather and he teared up and he goes man why'd you do that you know because mm. he was he had this fondness for his grandfather and and it, it is a reminder that um time on earth is fleeting for us we never know when we're going to be here when we're going to be taken away and so for you grandfathers out there which i am one i have six grandchildren speak into the lives of your grandchildren speak truth to them because right now it's a very confusing world there's a lot of mixed messages coming to young people today and if you're my age or older, you know, if you're 60 or older right now, uh, you grew up with two television channels. Mm. Uh, you grew up without a cell phone. Uh, you grew up with, uh, out a microwave. You grew up where your mom probably made your dinner and it took all day to make. Mm. And you came together as a family and you ate. A lot of those times have gone. You don't see a lot of that. And you can speak to the value of those things, the value of God's word. We're going to talk about that as we go in the next segment. But grandfathers speak into the lives of your children. This young man, had his, his grandfather had an impact on him and his dad because the fact that he – do you know – I mean, you, you had a dad that was a pro athlete mm-hmm. and the same thing you wanted to do – it's very hard, isn't it, when it's your father? I mean, it is. It's mm-hmm. it's hard because you 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 struggle sometimes because we deal with our own desire to be independent of that mm-hmm. that um, stigma or whatever it is of our dad, or just uh, you you kind of rebel against authority sometimes inside. You just don't like that. But he loved the fact that his dad spoke in his life, and I'm sure there were many moments where he didn't like it. But boy, he was his dad was the first person he went to yesterday. Mm. It was when he won, he walked off the course after shooting the game, and he walked over and he hugged his dad, and it was a really special moment. And um, and and I just uh, I celebrate Justin Thomas uh, winning. It was great and great story, and uh, appreciated his humility and and everything. It's always great to see somebody win like that you know yeah uh, that's pretty cool and so uh anyway do we have a caller already yeah, i think we do claire how are you doing today claire can you hear us hello hello oh no this is merv that's merv how are you doing merv didn't he say claire <laughs> didn't isn't that what he wrote i don't yeah. know but it's yeah. merv i recognize his voice this old englishman voice you were probably well, you were yeah, probably pulling for uh, Lee Westwood yesterday, huh? It, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't expect the SWAT guys to be confused, you know, in this confusing world. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. This is definitely Merv, definitely the English guy. Yeah, how, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for calling in, Merv. I know why you're calling. You're calling about the strongman, uh, at the strongman event. Right in Jacksonville coming up. Yes, Strongman Rally, absolutely yep. on the twenty seventh, Saturday the twenty seventh. Come on down to the Blue Bayou Blueberry Farm, the end of Normandy, guys, uh-huh. and you will have a wonderful time. Uh, the earlier you come, the better it will be. 
we will be basically gathering together for fellowship, sharing our story and our faith with some amazing speakers, Dr. Kelly McKnight from New Dawn Ministries, Cedric McTwilly, and a, a guy called uh, Demetrius, uh, somebody or other, who's another ace enthusiast. Our theme this year is victory. But guys, as you know, Doug, we need to share our victories, not just our losses, but our victories, and played on my heart this year that that's what the theme should be for this strongman rally, sharing our victories, and particularly our victory in Christ, the victories he's won for us. So that's what it's about. Um, it starts at 9 a.m. if they want to go kayaking. If they, if, don't, if they don't want to do that, come later in the afternoon, about 4 o'clock onwards, for, as I say, great fellowship, great food, barbecue, outdoor movie under the stars, all that goes with being out on the ranch, as well as blueberries and strawberries. How about that? Yeah. Uh, well, and it's the Blue Bayou. Uh, it, it's, it's Blue, it's B-L-U-B-Y-U, as in uniform. Uh, not like Bayou as in Louisiana. It's Blue, B-L-U, by B-Y, and then U is in uniform in Jacksonville. And uh, that's going to be... Absolutely. And it's, it, is it, did you say March 27th? Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, Saturday. Okay, that's going to be the Strongman Rally. And uh, yep. this is Merv. Hey, Merv, tell us the name of your ministry again so our listeners know. Crosswinds Leadership Ministries for Men. Okay, Crosswinds Leadership. And tell uh, our listeners one more time, because you've shared it before, uh, what you do. You take people out on sailboats, right? Yeah, we do two or three things, really. It started with a sort of cafe fellowship where a few guys would gather together, uh, you know, sharing their faith, encouraging each other, sharing the Word of God. And then the Lord provided a way for us to uh, have a sailboat, which we restored. Uh, I mean, I'm not much of a sailor or anything like that, but the Lord sent people along. Um, and the interaction of, of men, the boat, and the environment was ideal uh, for sharing the gospel and, again, sharing each other's faith. So it's all about enabling, encouraging, uh, empowering men in leadership as they share their faith in Jesus. And, and that's what God has honored and continues to honor. That developed into the Strongman Rally through my friend Tom Morris, who owns the Blue Bayou Farm. And we're on our sixth rally now, which is wonderful. And uh, we've always had a wonderful time out there. And we've, we've actually seen a lot of leaders come out, you know. We may not be high on numbers uh, as a rule, but the quality of people has always impressed me. Mm -hmm. Leaders of leaders tend to come out. Great place to chill out. So that's, in essence, what Crosswinds Ministries is all about. All right, that's Merv Clark. And Merv, to find out more information uh, about the rally, uh, where do they go? We got, we've got, we got well, like just call, 15 seconds here. Give me quick, real quick. Right. Okay, they can call me. Um, I'll go to Crosswinds Leadership Ministries sailboat page on Facebook. Right. Crosswinds Leadership Ministries Facebook page. Okay. 
Crosswinds Leadership Ministries Facebook page. Crosswind Leadership Ministries Facebook. Hey, we got to go, uh, uh, Murph. Thank you for calling in. Okay. Yeah. So stay tuned. We'll be well, right thank back. Thank you again. Bless you. Bye bye. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Look down from a broken sky Traced out by the city lights My world from a mile high Best seat in the house tonight Touchdown in the cold black top Hold on for the sudden stop Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos That is Give Me Your Eyes by Brandon Heath Welcome back to SWAT Radio SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth uh, and if you are just joining us, we take the first segment, sometimes bleeds over into the second second segment, to talk a little bit about the news of the day or just kind of what's going on or to field uh, callers. And then we start to get into um, what the topic of the week or of the day will be about. So we are just getting into that today. Well, yeah. Well, this week we're looking at persecution, uh, the first persecution of the church uh, in Acts chapter 4 as a response to what the message was from Peter and what happened with that. You know, all these people came into the kingdom and Mm -hmm. were baptized spirit filled believers. And all of a sudden they were a real threat to what's going on. But uh, before we get into it, I want to bring this up a couple of things that were going on. Uh, Michael Youssef, who's a pastor up in Atlanta made this statement, um, had a really, really good article the other day about how critical theory is one of the most dangerous things coming into the church, the evangelical church today, mm. because it's distracting people from the gospel. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's bringing in a, another gospel, a social gospel that has uh, really, you know, it's like Ray Comfort said, he was our guest last week who said, you know, if you see somebody come to Christ, they're going to love their neighbor. Mm-hmm. They, they will. Uh, the, the spirit is going to conform them to the image of Christ. And, um, and, but if you focus on the symptoms rather than the true heart problem, the sin problem that we all have, right. 
then you're going to treat symptoms and never deal with the issue. Yeah. And so um, I was reading an article today uh, by a guy named Michael Brown. Have you ever heard of him? Mm. Uh, Michael, uh, he does a uh, talk show on the Truth Network up in North Carolina. Mm. Um, Stu Epperson Jr. has a, a bunch of radio programs and stations that he he uh, manages up there. And uh, Michael Brown does a, a program called The Line of Fire. It's actually broadcast the same time our program mm. is. It's just up in that area. Anyway, uh, he wrote an article and, and said that back in 1600s in Massachusetts, they passed an act called the Old Deluder Act. And deluder re- refers to the devil. That's who they mm. meant in mm. the act. Now, think about this is a law that was passed here in the colonies. Um, this act said that Satan kept people from reading the scriptures by confining the Bible to a language unknown by the common people, namely Latin. Mm. And the colonists said that he's keeping people from reading the scriptures by way of ignorance of the English language. So it was ordered, this was the act, that in every town in the jurisdiction, after the Lord had increased them to 50 households, shall appoint one within their town that would teach every child to read and write and as the children learn to read english they would be able to read an english bible Hmm. and in the 1500s william tyndale had translated the bible into english and it cost him his life he was in prison and then hung and then burned all because he translated the bible into english into the common language of Hmm. the people now I want you to think about that for a second. He experienced persecution because he was putting the Bible into a language that would be massively read by people. And uh, the the English church, keep in mind you, is the one that did this to him. Now, can you imagine in any context Christian leaders wanting to keep the Bible out of the hands of people? I mean, that doesn't make any sense, but that's kind of what was going on with the Jewish people back in Acts chapter three and four. They had control over the people. They were, they did not want their power to be eroded because think about the power that gives you in the book of Eli. We talked about that movie last week. I remember Gary Oldman plays this bad character in Mm -hmm. there. And he wants the Bible because he says in the Bible it's power because he could wield it the way he wanted to. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of these leaders did. But thanks to Tyndale and others, um, the church policies changed, and the American settlers had the Bible in their own language, in their own possession. Now, we take that for granted today. Most houses have eight to ten Bibles if they're believing households mm-hmm. or professing households. But the first Bible in English was the Geneva Bible, and that was the predecessor of the King James Version. That's why when people tell me, well, you know, you can only use the King James, I said, well, why don't you use the Geneva? Hmm. Because the Geneva preceded the King James. Listen, there's lots of versions of Bibles and there's difference between a functional equivalent or a formal equivalent. 
the formal equivalent Bibles, like a New American Standard, a uh, King James Version, or an ESV, the English Standard Version, those tend to be more of a um, of a uh, of a translation of idea of the idea. They try to hold firm to the words, mm-hmm. word for word, but they. Uh, but it's. I'm sorry. It's uh, more of a uh, try to hold it to the original text on the formal. The the other one, the functional, tries to give you more of the idea, like the NIV, the New Living Translation and others right. and and now today you have the message which is not a translation at all it's a paraphrase mm-hmm. which is kind of like a little bit of what we do when we are taking the scriptures themselves we are interpreting them as historically they've been interpreted in the greek and hebrew but then we talk about applications to it that's what eugene peterson does in the paraphrase so as long as you know that and you know when you read the message you're not reading a translation you're reading a paraphrase but when you read a new american standard king james esv you're reading an actual translation but we have those today because of guys like tyndale and here's the thing the fact that they were free to practice their faith with the bible accessible in their own language didn't guarantee oh they would read it and and so the reason the old deluder act was passed back then and this is the whole point was to make sure that every child would be able to read english so they could read the bible and even um there if even in our early school system here i mean up until like the 50s i think they used the new uh, i think it was called the new england primer mm-hmm. uh at, which was using bible verses to teach the abcs and other things and so when you think about where we've come today and um you know now we accept uh, evolution as science even though it's not it's as much faith or more actually i think it requires more faith to believe in evolution than it does to Mm -hmm. believe in the bible yeah Uh, there's more evidence of the bible and so um when you think about today there's more than 450 english translations of the bible wow did you know that no over 450 um you can get them online there's there's different ones and a lot of times people go which one do i get there's lots of resources to be able to look at and determine the translations i when we are on air here we use the esv uh, that is really kind of a combination of the, I think, the accuracy of the NAS, the New American Standard, with the readability of the NIV, which is more of a dynamic translation. Mm. Um, but um, when you think about the literacy in our country of understanding the Bible now, most people read the Bible for specific points. They do not read the Bible for a general understanding. They Mm. don't read it from Genesis to Revelation every Mm. year, trying to get a 50,000-foot view of what God's saying about Messiah, his coming. And so the reason that's important is we teach this week even, Peter in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 3, when he is speaking to these people, he's expositing the Old Testament. So when you have a pastor that stands up of a large megachurch in the South and says, hey, we need to unhitch from the Old Testament, Mm. that's ludicrous Mm -hmm. to say that. And I know that Michael Youssef talked about that too, 
Uh, so did um, another guy, the Scottish preacher. Let me think of his name. You know who I'm talking about. Alistair Begg. Al- Alistair Begg yeah. said the same thing. When they taught the Bible, to they taught it to convert people because it's the preaching of the word, mm. not the conditions that we set around the preaching of the word, which is kind of where we've gone to. But uh, the the fact that anybody is biblically illiterate today is is just wrong because there's so many versions of the Bible today. Mm-hmm. And um, and the reason that he says in this article that we're illiterate is distraction. Yeah. And he used one example in here of how he was just um, looking at uh, a thing on YouTube. He was doing some research, and all of a sudden he got distracted. And he ended up looking at uh, videos like lions versus hyenas mm-hmm. and uh, how strong is a gorilla and seeing. Mm-hmm. And you just get sucked in. And before you know it, you spent two, three hours looking at videos that just really took your time up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you know what's kind of funny is maybe a little bit of a side note, but I deleted YouTube, the app, from my phone. And I mean, I don't get on, I don't get as distracted by YouTube. It's crazy how I can still access it from a laptop, but just the fact that it's not on my phone, I don't spend as much time just scrolling. Isn't it easy, though, to get in there? It is so easy to get distracted. It uh, is. Not just with YouTube, but with other things that we've got in our modern world with the conveniences that we have. Yeah, and the other issue he brought up that is a real danger for us and our children, again, going back to us as grandparents and us, uh, people who have been around when we did not have these things is that just to the distraction and and the ability to concentrate on written word Mm. yes is gone for a lot of young people today because you tell them to read this and if it's not you know Mm -hmm. 100 characters or less they just go off Mm -hmm. they can't focus on it you know so anyway it's it's a problem it's a big problem and i'm not sure you know what we really should do about it as you know educators kind of quote unquote but uh we are up against the break so stick with us because we will be back with more after the news but first we'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors ace door and window as well as a special thanks to our sponsors tom neal trucking and a special thanks to our sponsor jeff andrews of highway to eternity ministries if you would like to sponsor the program please email us at doug at swatradio.com that's d-o-u-g at swatradio.com you are listening to swat radio stay tuned we'll be back with more after the news okay That was Casting Crowns with Nobody. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 12 this week. Uh, And as we've already talked about uh, when the program first started, we're talking about persecution uh, this week. And it's coming off of what we looked at in chapter 3, which was Peter's message after the uh, healing of a 
uh, lame man. And so that is where we're headed throughout the week. If you would like to join us, um, if you missed anything that we've talked about so far this week, though, or the, today, this week, <laughs> it's Monday, so forgive me for in the first uh, 30 uh, minute segment. Uh, you can go and listen at uh, www.swatradio.com. Again, that's www.swatradio.com. You can go to the past programs link. Uh, there you can listen to our full catalog of programs. But uh, in about an hour or so, you'll be able to listen to this one, and you'll be able to miss whatever it was that you did not, or you'll be able to see whatever it was that you missed uh, in the first 30 minutes. So, Taylor, you know, um I shared a story at SWAT this week. I, I I don't know that I've mentioned it on air before. I might have a long time ago briefly. But I want to ask people to go to a place with me today. Um, uh, first of all, if you're listening out there today, either uh, live or through the podcast later, I, I want you to um, think about, have you ever been on a mission trip? Have you? I don't know. You know, I'm sure there's a, a, a lot of people that have. And by mission trip, I don't just mean a, a trip where you go. There's nothing wrong with going to help build a church or go give food or do those things. But when I talk about a ministry mission trip, I talk about going to share the gospel with people. Uh, I used to lead many of those trips uh, with East West Ministries over to Russia and other places. And I just want you to go to a place with me right now for this segment where, you know, we, we've uh, got a relationship. Uh, we got a relationship with a guy named Dawa Singe over in India. And uh, I've been over there several times and, you know, taking people over there. And so just pretend for a second that Dawa has asked me to bring a team over there to share the gospel with people in villages. And you're nervous. You're a little apprehensive about it, but we're going to train people and you're excited to go. You feel God leading you to go. So you say, okay, I've never been on a trip like that. I'd like to go. So we get all ready. We do our training sessions. I train you in cross-cultural evangelism ministry, sharing the gospel and uh, the culture of India, things that you encounter. You'll encounter Buddhists over there. You'll encounter Hindus over there. You'll encounter even Muslims over there and, um, and, and intellectuals who don't believe anything. They, they may grow up Hindu or Buddhist, but they just don't believe anything. So we go over there fully prepared. We're ready. We get on the flight. We've been praying, and we're excited about it. We land in um, uh, Delhi, which is the capital. We get excited about it. We spend the night there in a hotel. It's a little tough there, not not quite as uh, comfortable as we would like at the Hilton down here or at the residence inn. But we get up the next morning, get on a flight, and we go, and Dawa meets us up in northern India. We get up there, and he uh, he takes us out. And we go to this village, and he shows us the place we're going to be staying. It's not really a hotel. It's more of a hostel, you know, just a a place where we can camp at night when we're done. But we're going to do daily uh, meetings there in the evening where it's like a Billy Graham, what I call a mini Billy Graham-style crusade where we invite people to come. There will be some music and testimony, and then uh, I'll preach the gospel. And uh, during the day... We're going to go out and hand out invitations to these meetings and pray that God would give us divine opportunities. So that's the plan. We get there, and we're all excited about it. And uh, we spend the night. We get up the next morning, and at the front door of the hotel or the hostel coming in to talk to us uh, is a police 
guy. He's got a police uniform on. Turns out he's a police chief. And he says, who's in charge? They end up bringing him to me, and you're sitting there talking to me with a few other people, and you hear him say, hey, you're here illegally. You're not supposed to be here preaching the gospel of your God. We have our gods, and you can't be here. And so you have to leave by tomorrow. And you look at me like, uh, okay, what are we what are we doing? And he says, Doug, you need to come with me down to the police station. And me and another guy go with him. And as we go head that way, you just stuck at the hotel and you, or the hostel. You're just there with the team trying to figure out what's going on and what's going to happen. What's your first response? What do you do? I mean, Taylor, you heard this because I asked it uh, last week at SWAT. What was your first thought? Not what you know now, but mm-hmm. what was your first thought when you heard that last week? Well, you asked it a little different last yeah. week. You uh, you said, uh, you know, if I ask you what should we do as far as yeah. should we go home or not, my first thought was, you know, let's go to war. Let's gird up. Yeah. You know, it's uh, spiritual warfare and let's get after it. But uh, I don't, I think, you know, that's just kind of. But I'm gone. Yeah. Okay. So right now instance, I change it. Yeah, yeah. I'm gone, and you're thinking. What are you thinking right now? As I'm gone to the police station to answer to those things he said, and you're there with the rest of the people who most of them have never been outside the U.S. on a trip like this before. Well, let's pray. It's time yeah. to pray. You know, it is time you know. to pray. That should be the first thing you do when you encounter persecution. You encounter. You you don't react. You pray. Mm-hmm. We tend to react first in our country, but mm-hmm. you pray. You always step back and pray. And so uh, I went to the police station on the way down there with a guy. He starts uh, talking to me, asking me questions, and I start sharing my personal testimony. Now, my testimony is a little unique in that I was almost killed in a plane crash in the Marine Corps, and I shared about that. I share about maybe uh, you know uh, being in the FBI and being shot at and things like that. I share those kind of stories and talk to him about how God gave me peace in the midst of those situations because I had a personal relationship with the Creator God through Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago, who was the Son of God. And I just start talking to him about my personal experience, and I share with him, and he says, you violated our law, you need to pay a fine, which is really a bribe. So I pay the fine, and he says, even though you've paid the fine, you must leave. So I come back to the hotel, and people are wanting to know what's going on, what are we going to do. And I go to my room, and I pray. And after praying, I come out, and I say, well, after praying, I feel like we need to stay. And so um, we spend the night, and the next day we make our plans to do what we originally planned to do. Well, one of the things that we had planned to do on that second day was to do a college outreach. Wait, yeah. you didn't let people know that now we're talking about something that actually happened to you. Yeah, I I, I have not. Yeah, I'm sorry. Thank you for yeah. that reminder. I didn't know if you were going no, no, to no, another no, question. No, 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 that's good. That. No, that's a good catch because uh, I had already kind of made a transition in yeah. my mind. Uh, that really happened to me back in the late 90s over in Russia. The, the, the scenario I just laid out for you really happened. Uh, it happened with a team I took over there. In fact, there were some people from Jacksonville on that team. There were people from Denny, different professions. Most of them had never been outside the country before. And so they're over there. And after prayer, 
And I went into the room and prayed, and I really asked God, would I even be worthy to take a, a blow for him? Would I be mm-hmm. worthy to uh, suffer for him? Because mm-hmm. I didn't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I was sitting there. Um, it's easy to be all, yeah, I'm going to take a blow mm-hmm. from him, you know, on this side yep. of the water. But when you're six, 7,000 miles away, and they're, they, they've said, hey, you're under arrest. You can't leave the hotel. You need to leave tomorrow. And so I'm asking God these questions. So after prayer, like I said, we decided to stay and do what we planned. And we had planned a college outreach. So on my way over with my translator, who was a 21-year-old pastor's kid, to the college outreach, everybody else was going out doing their thing. And um, the police chief shows up and uh, tells me that he wants me to go with him somewhere. He gives me a story that I can tell is not measuring up to something's just not right and i just keep telling no i can't i've got to go do this college outreach and i got to speak there we've got this plan and he gets irritated with me to the point where he gets out of the car he has a driver he's on the passenger side so he gets out of the car walks over to me puts his hand on my shoulder puts his other hand on his gun and says you need to get in the car through the translator Mm -hmm. so when he told me that i obviously got into the car uh, with him, with my translator, and we start driving. He doesn't tell me where we're going. He just, I, I ask him, where are we going? What's going on? And he just says, don't worry about it. I told you to leave. You were told to leave. You were told to leave. And so uh, the translator um, looks over at me, and the guy says something to him that I don't understand. And he uh, he says, he's asking, do you feel peace right now? And I'm like, what? What's it, what, what does he mean? And I said, ask him what he means. And he said, again, do you feel peace? And I said, I don't understand what. Of course I feel peace. Why wouldn't I feel peace? And he said, because you're going to die. We told you to leave. We told you to take your team and leave. And now you're never going to see your family again. You're never going to see your team again. Uh, your, your, your friends, you're not going to see them because we warned you and you didn't listen. And he said, yesterday, you said you felt peace when you were about to die. And I'm just wanting to know, do you feel that right now? Hmm. And he said that to me. And the reality of what was going on hit me at that moment that here I am in the middle of Russia, you know, in the 90s. It's still not too far removed of gulags and stuff and everything going on. And and really, the KGB never went away. You Mm -hmm. can see by Putin and the things he does. So I was in a real dire strait there of what to do, and I just prayed, God, give me wisdom. Well, he took me to a warehouse by a train station, took me up to the second floor, and and began to interrogate me and threaten me. And when he took me up there, he had like he, – he unfolded this – there was a satchel unfolded up there that had like torture instruments in it, like surgical instruments and things mm-hmm. that were – I think was there just for visual, you know, intimidation. Mm-hmm. And I know we got to go the break, but in the midst of what I was feeling right there, I, I, I was praying, okay, Lord, I'm not sure what to do here. You're going to have to help me because I don't know. I, I had this 21-year-old translator kid there. He was terrified. Uh, and this one police chief's in there just interrogating me. And then a KGB agent came in. And when we come back, I'll pick it up there and we can kind of talk. I want to talk through that. Okay. Yeah. So make sure you stay tuned so that you can hear the culmination of that story. We'll be back with more after the break. 
You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. I pull, go back and forth, finding myself Pounding on a locked door I try to make it out alone without your help But I know I'll never win this war I can never be, never be free without you I can never be, never be me without That is Chainbreaker by, or excuse me, and that is Freedom Hymn <laughs> by Austin, Austin French, French yeah. yes um welcome and back. that's a good that's a good song for that segment yeah wasn't it? I yeah mean, it is freedom him yeah so if you are just joining us this is swat radio swat stands for spiritual warriors advancing truth and just before the break uh doug was relaying a real life experience that happened to him in russia uh, when he was over there on a missions trip and uh the kgb and the russian government didn't like that too much and he was at, at the point where we had to stop because of the break uh, he was in a warehouse, right, with a KGB or with a. Well, it was a police chief of that area chief. and a KGB. It was with called torture. the FSB. Yeah, with the torture instruments uh, laid out on the table in front of him, um, and so that's where we were at. And yeah, we'll pick it up. Yeah, and um, just just to give people a little background, like until the 1980s over in Russia the homicide rates were very similar to the United States. They pretty much clamped down on it. But Mm -hmm. with the coming down of the wall, the increase in homicide rates began to rise in Russia. And, uh, you know, they began, they actually were doubling in frequency by the mid nineties. I mean, that's a pretty horrendous jump right there. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and by 2000, they were the highest in the world. And one of the reasons is you can't have freedom without morals Mm. and when communism Mm -hmm. is what rules you say the state is supreme socialism and communism say the state rules Mm -hmm. not god and that's why we were very blessed to be in this country with judeo-christian values that have slowly eroded over time but getting back to that story when i was in there in that warehouse uh the whole point was to intimidate me, to threaten me. Uh, and many, many times during the uh, questioning, you're going to die. You're not going to see your family again. 
You're not going to see your people again, your friends. They showed me postcards of Jacksonville, mm. you know, uh, pictures of my family that I'd given to people mm. that as we had visited earlier in the day mm-hmm. that they had confiscated to show me you're not going to see them again. And so I'm sitting there and asking God, God, what do I do? Because I, I didn't know what to do. I was worried about this translator, young 21-year-old kid who was really nervous and scared. And uh, at one point, they tried to take uh, me out of the room without him and leave him there. I didn't know what they were going to do with him. He, they, I mean, in their minds, he was wrong. He was a local. They had right. probably more flexibility to kill him than they did me. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I, I didn't know what they were going to do. And so, uh, but to make that long story very short, after an hour and a half, they released me to go down to the car, the police car, me and the translator. And instead of getting in the car, we walked over to some taxis. We went back to the hotel. The team wasn't there. We went to the site where we were going to do the little crusade. And the team, you know, they're wondering where I am. They didn't know what was going on. I was gone and they had no idea what was going on. Um, but, um, but I ended up preaching that night and then reaching out and calling our main office. And we ended up coming home mm. the day after that. But it was it was pretty shaky. I can admit uh, all the things I did in the FBI, even my bird strike. I don't ever think in my life I thought I was closer to death than that day, mm. yeah. at least from my mental state. Right. I just I just thought. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that as we get into this. But persecution has been around since the church was born right here in Acts chapter four. Persecution is happening for the first time for the church. There were 10 major eras of persecution during the first two, 300 years of the church. And so uh, some of the things that happened to Christians. Now, I want you to imagine if you're a professing believer out there, and I know this is hard to hear, so I'll warn you about it. But this was reality that Christians simply for believing in Jesus and telling people about him were fed to dogs. They, they wouldn't just throw them into wild dogs. They would sew them inside of wild animal skins that had the scent of blood mm-hmm. and, and on it, and they would throw them to wild dogs. They would douse them in oil or wax and burn them at parties and on street corners. They would boil them in, in water. I mean, boil put them in, in a pot big enough for a human and, and actually boil boil them, bring the, just uh, scald them. They would behead them. They would hang them. They would rack their bodies, literally pulling their bodies apart. And persecution throughout time has always been engineered by the murderer, the liar. It's satanic. Every time persecution happens to believers, it's because he hates Messiah. He hates his followers. And in America, where we live today, our persecution Uh, most likely doesn't kill us or won't physically harm us. It may cause us to lose our job. It may cause us to lose our 401k or finances or be penalized financially. We may lose family. We may lose influence, reputation. But nevertheless, it still causes us to compromise. But there's one thing that's really interesting about the kind of persecution that has gone on in other countries like China, uh, the Middle East, uh, North Korea and India, when people are physically harmed, like John Monga, our friend who we've had on and others, 
there's something purifying about that to the church because authentic believers are the are the ones who are going to step forward and say, I want to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. You don't find posers doing that when there's a threat of death or great bodily harm. And so uh, we're going to see in this passage, uh, when we get into it tomorrow and Wednesday, Acts 4, 1 through 12, and really next week too, when we look at the rest of Acts 4, this whole chapter deals with how do we respond to persecution. And there's three three areas that I think God calls us to respond with. First, we trust in his plan. If he if he wants you to be persecuted, then he, then that's his plan. I mean, not everybody goes through the same kind of persecutions. And I think back to when uh, Peter goes, is he going to die? on the walking on the shore you know jesus mm. is telling peter you're going to be stretched out mm-hmm. he's telling you used to dress yourself but you're going to be dressed by somebody else and he's telling peter that you're going to have to die for me and he goes what about that guy talking about john he goes you don't worry about john you worry about you we can trust his plan uh, most people in other countries consider it a privilege to suffer for christ the early church certainly did in fact People looked for ways to be martyrs for Christ. That was such a desire Mm. where we do everything we can to avoid suffering for Christ and and walking away from it. And so we have a very different view than most um, most uh, of early biblical Christians. And so the first thing we trust is plan. Second, we trust his power. And his power is the only thing that's going to get us through that. Do you think David, when he confronted Goliath, did it with his own power? Mm-hmm. Or Daniel, when he confronted Daniel, was persecuted. Mm-hmm. I mean, and do you think when he went in the lion's den, he was able to go in there on his own power? Or um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? No. We trust in his power. And thirdly, we trust in his word. They do not compromise God's word. And we are living in a time of incredible compromise. The Mm -hmm. church is faltering because of fear of losing people on social media, losing influence, losing money. And we have got to hold firm to the gospel to speak God's truth. We don't compromise on his truth of the gospel or his truth about his word. Stop and think about this. In his word, God says, he created them male and female. That's God's word. Mm-hmm. If you don't agree with that, that's fine. But you're not uh, you're not buying into God's word. There's no ambiguity. The Greeks had very specific words in the Hebrew for what a male was and what a female was. There was no transgender class. It was called effeminate dress for a man, mm-hmm. and and it was dealt with in Scripture. These things are not new to our generation. We, we almost act like this enlightenment has happened, and now now we know better than God knew. God gave us what his word wanted to say, and it covers things. And so we don't compromise. We trust in his plan, we trust in his power, and we trust in his word. And so tomorrow and the next day, we're going to look at those two things, and we're going to see the two responses to Jesus. We're going to see those that were rejected and persecuted, and we're going to see those who were his sheep who responded in faith and they repented. That's a key word. They repented and had faith. And so um, that that's just kind of an introduction today. And, um, you know, we're going to if you get a chance, read Acts 4, 1 through 12 for tomorrow. 
And uh, we're going to come back tomorrow, and we're going to look at really what it means to trust in his plan. And we're going to look at the two responses and kind of leading up who was who was persecuting and uh, what it means to trust in his plan, how they responded. And uh, we might get into trust in his power. Any any questions about that, Taylor? Uh, you know, I would like I, – I think that it's important for us to realize that, you know, where we are as a country. You, you know, you said earlier that, um, you know, our suffering, our persecution isn't, you know, something that's going to be harmless physically. And I just wanted to add – Yet. 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 No, no, because no. Yeah. We're headed down a road that is dark. And if we don't repent, if there's not a widespread revival, we're we're going to head towards some, some dark times, I think, for believers. And, you know, I'll just say for me personally, I'm, I am, can, I'm, I won't say convinced. I, I am expecting that, you know, working on this program is going to lead to me losing my job at some point it, it, it may you know, i mean I just, but, but but it's not just you it is yeah, a, it's anybody saying, uh, for me personally but, so i'm just saying that we need to be ready and at, at the people you know listening need to be ready to you know count the cost because there's pain coming down the pipe That's yeah what. i, I want to get one other thing in that was so important that at the swat groups i asked guys i said so what went through your mind and several guys in the different groups said i didn't sign up for this that's where we mess up in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. Yep. And that's an instrument of execution. If, if, if It would be like a Marine signing up and saying, I'm not going to combat. Mm-hmm. No, we signed up to be his people and do what he says. He's our king. That's the gospel. And come back tomorrow, and really, I hope you'll be encouraged by what God says in his word. Yep. So that is all the time we have for today. You have been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio. You can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Have a nice day. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual